Hello again, friends, and welcome to 2021 here at the SCO Show. Mark Schofield in the big chair for today, Monday, January 4th, 2021. The season, the regular season, is in the books. The New England Patriots close out the regular season here in 2020 with a victory in Week 17 over the New York Jets. And typically what we do in post-game shows, we talk about, although it's been different this year, but typically what we do, we do the good, the bad, the ugly, or the great, the good, and the bad. We talk about, you know, some key plays that stood out, some, you know, things to remember, some things to think about going forward. But obviously with the New England Patriots now going home and becoming what we all are, which is spectators for the postseason for Super Wild Card Weekend, which we're apparently forced to call it. I'm not going to spend too much really diving into a 28-14 victory over the New York Jets at the end of a, a tough season. But we're going to divide this show a little differently. We're going to have three segments instead of our standard two. We're going to have a couple of thoughts on the Cam Newton situation. In the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little playoffs. Postseason is set now. We're going to talk AFC, then NFC. And then in the third segment of the show, we're going to do a little mock draft. And why? Because it is officially draft season now. And so... I've got my first mock draft up. It went up New Year's Eve because I felt like the only way to close out 2020 was to put myself through a mock draft. And so my first one went up, and I'm going to talk about some of the picks I liked, some of the picks that looking back I didn't like. I'm going to talk about, obviously, what I have the New England Patriots doing. And the order will have already changed between New Year's Eve and now because of what happened in Week 17. But before we do any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders, follow along on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. Matt Waldman's Rookie Scout and Portfolio. Three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and of course, Pat's Pulpit. And of course, the Touchdown Wire, where we'll have the playoffs covered, the draft, all of that stuff. Myself, Doug Farrar, Barry Warner, and a cast of others getting you through the NFL season. Also, a quick personal note. Um, most of you probably saw my birthday this weekend, 44. Um... Thank you. A lot of you reached out publicly, social media, Twitter, texts, with messages, with tweets, GIFs, funny stuff, cat stuff, all sorts of things. And it was really cool. It was really cool to see. Um, my wife, my kids did a band up job. My parents, my in-laws did a band up job. Um, my extended family did a band up job with the Zooms and all that stuff. And I definitely had one of those weekends where it was like the end of It's a Wonderful Life because it was one of those moments where you felt, I got it pretty darn good. And after the year that 2020 was and mindful of all the struggles that so many people have been through over the past 12 months, um, again, as I said on New Year's Eve, I am fully aware of just how lucky I am. And as a gift to all of you, I am in the process of tracking down some 1997 Wesleyan game tape. Because the time has come for me to roast myself for everyone. So that's coming. Shout out Jake Fay. Let's dive in quickly to the Cam Newton stuff. Because over the course of the past week, into Sunday and throughout Sunday, it did seem like this was Cam Newton's last game in a New England Patriots uniform. And if it was, he saved his best for last. And I know it's it's strange to say in somewhat of a meaningless Week 17 game, but Newton was probably his best all-around game of the season. 
Newton looked comfortable, looked relaxed. 21 of 30 for 242, three touchdowns. Also was the team's leading rusher, 11 carries for 79 yards. A chunk of those came on one run early in the game on a zone read look with uh, Sony Michelle. Also caught a touchdown from Jacoby Myers, whom he formerly coached uh, when Myers was a high school kid. And so if that indeed is the sort of closure, curtains for the Cam Newton experiment in New England, it's quite bittersweet. As I'm sure we all remember thinking back to when it was announced that he would be joining the New England Patriots, there was hope, there was optimism, there was a belief that Cam Newton would be able to do some things for this Patriots offense to figure some things out, to deliver new wrinkles, new ideas, new schemes, new concepts, and it just never sort of materialized. And I will say over the course of the past week, hearing from Cam Newton, talking about the struggle that this season was, talking about the difficulty that, you know, just playing this year, you know, being away from his kids, being sort of on his own, coming in late, contracting COVID, all of it. It's hard not to feel for him as a human being, as a athlete. It's hard not to just wish that things had gone differently. And in some other ways, that's why it was good to see what we saw in Week 17. Because while it was just one game, while it was just the New York Jets, while it was largely meaningless in the grand scheme of things, perhaps, you know, perhaps... It's a sign of what could have been, and perhaps it gives Cam Newton something to put in front of other teams. And that is something we have seen from Bill Belichick before. There are all these stories out there of Belichick bringing in veterans for workouts, often without any intention of signing them, but he knows full well that because he did that, teams are going to give that player another look. And it's probably led to some veterans picking up another couple of game checks along the way. And if you're a team with a starting quarterback, an established starter, but you're worried about QB2, say you're Buffalo or Baltimore or Los Angeles Chargers, and you have that quarterback you trust, but you want a more veteran solid presence just in case, what you saw from Cam Newton week 17 might be enough to say, look, let's give this guy a shot. But it does seem like the time has come to an end in New England. And as much as I, among others, was making the case that, look, maybe they find a way to bring him back. Maybe they say, look, we'll give you another shot as to giving you a full training camp, a full preseason experience, all of that stuff. Maybe we can run it back. It does seem like things have run their course. And Belichick, of course, brushed off the questions that he knew were coming at the end of this game. But Newton's comments themselves seem to indicate that this is a man who knows that this was his last game in New England. So you cannot help but wonder what might have been. And of course, now you start to wonder what could the future look like? The New England Patriots are now picking 15. And if you're somebody that's hopeful that the Patriots are going to get themselves into, shall we say, the big four of the quarterback class. Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, Lance. Well, good luck with that. It 
Jacksonville, Jets, Atlanta, maybe Detroit, maybe Carolina, maybe Denver, San Francisco. Those are all teams that are going to be in the quarterback mix. So if you are sitting here right now and you have the idea that this will be the year that they're going to be aggressive and they're going to go up to the top of the board, great. That's a lot of QB needy teams are going to have to come up. That you're going to have to get ahead of. So just imagine what the price will be to try to do that. The price is going to be steep. You can imagine a first rounder, obviously, maybe some second rounders, future first rounder. Because with all those teams trying to get up, if you're a team like, say, Dallas sitting there at 10, maybe Cincinnati at 5, maybe Philly at 6, these teams that maybe aren't in the market for a quarterback, although maybe Philly is, Miami at 3. Like, these teams are going to ask for a ton, knowing that if a team really wants to get up there, they're going to be willing to pay that price, but you can drive up the price in the process. By saying, look, you know, I got another team on the line that's willing to beat that. And the other thing to remember is, say you're coming up to three, to five, to six. You're coming up for QB three. Now, maybe it's QB two on your board. But I don't think if you make that move to get up to, say, Draft Fields or Wilson, it's not because that's the top guy on your board. I know people are going to nitpick Trevor Lawrence to death, particularly after Friday night, which I'm going to talk about a little later in the show. But are you willing to swing all that stuff for QB3, QB4? It's a lot. Matthew Stafford and Kyle Pitts at 15? I'm just saying. These are things I'm going to try to speak into existence over the next couple of months. But we will obviously be covering the draft full scale. Um, I know I've gotten some questions in recent days about the future of the QB factory, and there will be news on that at some point. Nothing is written in stone, but things are moving, as they say. Um, But next, we're going to shift gears because with the Patriots done, we're going to start thinking about draft, playoffs, all that stuff. We're going to talk a little AFC, NFC playoffs next. That's ahead here in episode 162 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you on, now on episode 163 of The Sco Show. I may have said 162 before the break. I got a lot of moving parts right now, but we forge on. The NFL playoffs are set. It took till late on Sunday night to determine the winner of the NFC East. We will talk about the NFC East in the second part of this segment, but we kick things off since this is a Patriots show, so we will start in the AFC, the AFC playoffs now set Kansas City Chiefs they rested their starters didn't really need to do anything they have the one and only buy as the top seed in the AFC at number two the Buffalo Bills they didn't need to play everybody but they played as long as they wanted to Josh Allen and company ran wild over the Miami Dolphins who were in a must-win game and just there are questions about Tua right now, and they're probably valid at this point. They didn't ask him to do a lot. Perhaps that held him back a little bit. And at one point when the Dolphins looked like perhaps the story of the season, now they're going to be watching from home. But it's the Bills, your two seed. They are in. They will host the Indianapolis Colts, who get in thanks to the Dolphins' loss and a win of their own against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, 
initial thoughts on this game, I'm going to do this for, for each of the parents. This has the potential to be a very good game if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. I, I think the Bills are one of those teams in this entire postseason bracket on either side of the ledger, AFC versus NFC, that have the fewest questions facing them right now. I think, I don't think there's a true complete team, but the Bills have figured out enough on offense, particularly with Josh Allen. Their defense is getting good at the right time. Trey White being healthy is a huge part of that. They have great safety play. And you, I think you need that in today's NFL. You need two safeties that can fill a bunch of different roles. That gives you the ability to spin coverage at the snap, which can be so tough on quarterbacks, even a veteran like Phillip Rivers. And then when you look at Indianapolis, the defense is good. The offense has some questions. I think if this game's a shootout, Indy is in trouble. I think if this game is a sort of rock fight, Indy's in trouble. I think the Bills have more pathways to win as we spin forward here throughout the playoffs, including a potential game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Your three seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they sat down Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph got the start against the Browns. Browns a bit depleted. Browns still win, so the Browns are in as the six. They will go to Pittsburgh in a rematch of a Week 17 game. The question in this one is, which Steelers offense shows up? Is it the one we saw that was dreadful in, say, weeks, you know, 13, 14, 15, and even the first half of week 16? Or is it the offense that showed up in the second half of that game against the Indianapolis Colts when Ben Roethlisberger sort of just ignored, you know, pulled a little John Moxon, just ignored the play calls, drawn stuff up in the dirt, and they looked comfortable again. I've said this before, comfortable quarterback is a confident quarterback, and a confident quarterback is a successful quarterback. And perhaps that's what they needed. So which offense is going to show up? That's the biggest question. I'm hesitant to buy in on the Browns, but I do feel like they have that team nobody wants to play sort of thing going for them right now. If they can get everybody back with the COVID situation they're dealing with, they can get after you a bit. You know, with Miles Garrett up front, they can do some ball control stuff. They've got two great running backs in Chubb and Hurt and Hunt, which Baker shows up is obviously a huge question. But this is going to be a fun one. I think obviously a real fun one is your four versus five. The Titans pull off the AFC South to get a doink shot from 37 yards out to hold off the Houston Texans. This game, obviously a rematch of last year's divisional round when the Ravens were 14-2, and two and everybody thought were steamrolling rolling their way to you know, a meeting with the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, but then Derrick Henry just came out and just ran all over them after running all over your New England Patriots the week prior. And what's interesting about this one is that if you look at what the Ravens did this offseason, right? Derrick Wolfe, Calais Campbell, Justin Matabuke, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison— they loaded up on the defensive front. Why? To stop Derrick Henry, who, by the way, just became the eighth running back, eighth player in league history to go over 2,000 yards in a single season. Baltimore's entire offseason, or if not its entire offseason, a large portion of it 
was dedicated to this game, this player, and stopping him. Now you get a chance. Something interesting to watch in this one, Baltimore's willingness, or more specifically, Lamar Jackson's willingness to take some shots downfield. That was something that has kind of been missing from their offense in recent weeks. If you watched their game against the Bengals, which I did, he took more shots downfield. Didn't hit on all of them. He had one earlier to Hollywood Brown that was dropped, came back and hit Miles Boykin for a touchdown, had another few deep shots in that game. If he's more willing to take those shot plays downfield, it's going to open up stuff for that offense. And so that's something to watch. But this AAC playoff field is a ton of fun. Very excited. I'm going to be covering the AFC playoffs over Touchdown Wire in terms of matchup stuff and previews and things like that. Um, So look for stuff from me over Touchdown Wire coming out this week. Now we move to the NFC side of things, your top seed, the Green Bay Packers. Now the Packers, the Saints, and the Seattle Seahawks all had a shot at the top seed going into Sunday. Obviously the Saints and the Seahawks needed the Green Bay Packers to lose. They didn't. Aaron Rodgers starts 10 of 10, three touchdown passes. They get a win at Soldier Field against the Chicago Bears. And so the Packers, they're your top seed. Perhaps of all the NFC teams, the most complete right now, Offense looks really good. The defense has gotten better in recent weeks. Darnell Savage, their safety is a huge part of that. I think if you watch the Packers, you're going to want to keep your eyes on Savage. I think he's been critical for them, sort of taking away intermediate, over-the-middle, stuff like that, forcing throws to other areas of the field. A lot of teams, like the Chicago Bears, want to do a lot of stuff off of boot action, attacking the intermediate area. Savage was a huge part of taking stuff like that away. He's been a part of taking stuff like that away over the past couple of weeks. You know, so this team has gotten good at the right time, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Your two seed, the New Orleans Saints, going into this week, perhaps the NFC contender with the most questions, and they focused on quarterback Drew Brees because Brees has not looked good since coming back from injury. You watch that Week 16 game on Christmas Day against the Vikings. Couldn't throw seam routes, couldn't throw any routes, really seemed to be struggling. They looked a lot better. Now it's the Carolina Panthers. That's a defense that has given up some huge games. I mean, Drew Locke carved them up. So perhaps it's a bit of a get-right thing. I thought they really needed the bye, but they don't get it. And so instead, they're going to be playing in the first round. Their opponent, the Chicago Bears. In one of the strangest seasons in recent memory, they start well, they fade, they bench Trubisky, they come back to him late in the year. He has three really good games. You're hearing talk that they might go in around Trubisky again. He might have saved Ryan Pace's job. He might have saved Matt Nagy's job. Those games came against Houston Jacksonville and Minnesota. Three really bad defenses. But it might have been enough to save those jobs. All three men might be back in 2021 in Chicago, thanks to what happened. Yes, they lose against the Packers. Yes, Trubisky looked bad at times against the Packers. Critical fourth and one in the fourth quarter. They roll him out, and he throws what should have been a pick. But thanks to the Arizona Cardinals losing, the Bears are in. Now, Can I envision the Bears going to New Orleans and winning that game? No. Especially that Saints defense. Stranger things have happened. But sitting here right now, I just can't see it. So that's your 2-7. 
your three six, Seattle Seahawks. Like I said, they had a chance if both New Orleans and Green Bay lost to get the one seed. They don't. So they'll get a rematch with the Los Angeles Rams, who, led by John Wolford, of all people, are in the playoffs. Now, it wasn't really Wolford so much who threw a dreadful interception on his first regular season NFL attempt. Their defense with a safety thanks to a holding penalty in the end zone and a pick six from Troy Hill. They scored 12 points in the second quarter. They come out on top against a hobbled Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. And a few words on the Cardinals. If you're a Cardinals fan, you probably look at this as one of two ways. Yes, the hype was kind of understood, uh, but we're probably a year ahead of schedule. Um, next year was really going to be our year, year three of Kyler Murray. Look, getting to the playoffs would have been great. Um, but you look at what happened, say, in Buffalo this year. Yeah, they made it into the playoffs last year, but nobody really took them seriously. Then you get that year three leap from Josh Allen. We can do something similar with Kyler Murray. It would have been nice to get in, get some playoff experience, but 2021 is going to be our year. That's the glass half full. Glass half empty is, this was a team that was in really good shape. And then they had some games sort of down the stretch. And with how they finished, that you almost wonder, is Cliff Kingsbury's job safe? Because look what happened to Seattle. I mean, excuse me, to Arizona. They're 5-2 and two after a Sunday night win over Seattle. They have their bye week. They come out of their bye. They lose to Miami. Then they have the Hale-Murray play. But then after that, of their final seven games, they lost five of them. A three-game losing streak where they lose to Seattle, New England, and yeah, and the Rams. They beat the Giants and the Eagles. More on the Giants in a second. And then they close out the season two must-win games against NFC rivals, teams, one of whom you've already beaten in the year, the San Francisco 49ers, who really have nothing to play for, and you lose them both. The glass-half-empty approach in Arizona is... You can't finish the season with a three-game losing streak and a two-game losing streak and expect everybody to be happy. But we get Seattle against the Rams. Is it Jared Goff? Is it John Wolford? It doesn't matter. The matchup to watch in this game is Russell Wilson and that offense against Brandon Staley, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and that defense. That's going to be the critical thing to watch. And now we finally... Finally have an A, excuse me, an NFC East champion. For a while, it looked like the Dallas Cowboys might do it, right? They looked like they were getting hot at the right time, but they kind of lay an egg, didn't look great. Instead, it was the New York Giants who had a chance to perhaps get to the postseason. They beat Dallas early in the day. All comes down to a Monday night affair between Jalen Hurts and Alex Smith. Washington, Philadelphia, Washington wins in their end. And they struggle. They didn't look great. And then Doug Peterson decides not only is he going to go for it on a weird fourth down when a field goal would have tied the game, he then puts Nate Sudfeld in the game, who has never seen a fade route against cover one that he hasn't liked. And what does he do? Immediately throws a fade route against cover one, and it gets picked off. Washington hangs on. They're going to the playoffs, and they get to host... Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are your five seed. 
and I know a lot of people are going to look at the record 7-9 and nine and think Washington doesn't have a prayer in this game. I am telling you right now, if you're listening to this, you're probably a Patriots fan. You've probably seen a couple of games I'm about to reference, specifically Super Bowls against the New York Giants, where Brady against quick interior pressure, NASCAR packages, speed fronts, struggles. And if you get an entire game of Chase Young and Montez Sweat lined up in the A-gaps, I am telling you Washington is going to pressure Tom Brady. Will it be enough to win this game? I don't know. I don't think so. It shouldn't. But Mike Evans, hyperextension of the knee, just when it looked like Tampa Bay's offense was getting right, now you get perhaps Brady's kryptonite. Brady's kryptonite. Man, this is going to be a fun game to watch. They're all going to be fun games to watch. Excited to start covering the playoffs, but we're also going to think draft. Up next, Mock Draft 1.0. That's ahead. Here in episode 163 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 163 of the Sco Show and going to close out this show with Mock Draft 1.0. Now, I'm not going to be able to get into all 32 picks that I did on Mock Draft 1.0. You can see the entire thing I touched on wire, but I did sort of want to highlight some of those selections. Started with the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You may have watched that game between Ohio State and Clemson. You may have seen or at least sensed that that game is going to launch a thousand, if not a million takes. I do want to sort of remind people, and this is a good time to do it, that evaluation in general, evaluation of quarterbacks, perhaps more specifically, is a body of work process. You may tend to get caught up in the heat of the moment, but as my friend John Ledyard tweeted out, after that game, this sort of sense of that tweet that he sent out was this. We're so bad at quarterback evaluation as it is, don't get caught in the moment and overreact to one game. Because there were many that were like, are we sure Lawrence is even QB1 after that game? Justin Fields looked great. He looked phenomenal. He had some of the best leverage reads and throws I've ever seen from him. Trevor Lawrence didn't look good at all. But don't sort of wildly overreact. And in the same vein with Fields, don't overreact to the Big Ten Championship game. Look at the entire body of work. No, that's all I'm saying. Now, pick two in this mock was the Jets, and I went with Zach Wilson I don't think the Jets have to force a quarterback. I don't think the Jets need to. I don't think the Jets have to make it Wilson. You could certainly make a case for Justin Fields. And I'm not saying here right now that Wilson is QB2 for me. I am yet to make any declarations about this quarterback class, except for Trevor Lawrence being QB1. And I'm not going to move off of that. But going into this season, and over the course of the season, Fields was pretty much 1B. Now, can Wilson overtake him? Like, I've really got to study these dudes to be sure. But Fields still screams QB2. But I went Wilson at two to the Jets at three. The Dolphins via the Houston Texans. Jamar Chase. I know there are rumblings about Tua, but it's just half a season. I don't think you panic on that. 
might depend on what you do with Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think you're going quarterback three. Now, maybe you trade out, but if you stay there, make a pick. I like Jamar Chase. The Falcons at four. I want Justin Fields. I mean, since he had five, they get the O-tackle they obviously need with Penny Sewell. And I've heard rumblings about people kicking him inside. It's going to be a long draft season. Get the offensive tackle you need, Cincy. At six, Eagles could go in a number of different directions. I went with Patrick Sertan, the corner. They could go linebacker here. They could go receiver here. They could go quarterback here. Who knows? Um, but that's the direction I went. Detroit Lions, Devonta Smith. New York Giants, I went with Rousseau, the edge. As I said, this was done last week, so. And also, mocks, this is a good time to sort of view them as, like, positions to watch, positions to consider. Like, for example, the Panthers. I went with a corner at nine, but after seeing Teddy Bridgewater this Sunday, I don't know if I'm going corner at nine for the Panthers with two quarterbacks on the board that might get into the first round. The next, which went in this mock, Denver Broncos, Trey Lance. The Cowboys, I went with Micah Parsons. I, they, they need a linebacker. Linebacker unit has been bad. Uh, Christian Derrissaw goes to the Chargers. They would also love some offensive line help, as would the Vikings. Went with Slater, the Northwestern kid. That brings us to the Patriots. They're at 14 in this mock. They're going to be at 15. Either way, Kyle Pitts. I'm going to speak that into existence the best I can. Since people are probably wondering about quarterbacks, um, the only other one I had coming off the board after the four was Mac Jones to Washington. He kind of screams Ron Rivera quarterback, although Kyle Shanahan might be another spot for Mac Jones. He might look good in a 49ers offense. He might look good in a New England offense. Um, my favorite pick out of the entire first round, Xavier Collins, the Tulsa linebacker to the Cleveland Browns. I'm very intrigued by this kid. I want to watch some more of him. Jordan Reed over at the Draft Network has been studying him a ton. Uh, in, the, in the mock, you see a bunch of clips from Jordan, some Twitter stuff. Um, Collins is interesting. I also liked... Who was it? And I know he looked bad. He looked... Awful, really, against Ohio State. But Sean Wade, the Ohio, excuse me, he looks bad against Clemson, but Sean Wade, the Ohio State corner, I had him go into the Saints and slotted him inside to a slot corner spot. Like, I don't think, he, I'm getting some Desmond Kane vibes there. The old Iowa cornerback uh, who then moved inside with the Chargers and he's carved out a nice role there. I'm getting that kind of buzz from Sean Wade right now. He's probably not a boundary type. At least he didn't look like it against Clemson. Another pick I liked was right after that, Eric Stokes. The Georgia corner, I think he's a nice boundary cornerback. He would look great across from Tredavious White. Amon Ross St. Brown to the Packers at 31. He joins his brother Equimania St. Brown. The Packers finally get that wide receiver threat they need. And I closed it out the Chiefs with Wyatt Davis, an interior offensive lineman, a guard from Ohio State. Um, but you can check out the full mock. It's up, touchdown wire. We'll obviously be doing a lot of mocks. Uh, through the rest of draft season, which we are officially into. But I know I threw a lot at you. We're trying to start the offseason off right. We talked some playoffs. We talked some mock draft stuff. We talked Cam Newton. talked some quarterback evaluation. Next Thursday, that's our next show. We'll do some playoff stuff. Uh, we'll talk some more matchups. Maybe I'll get a guest. I don't know. We'll see. Make it up as we go. But until then, friends, uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. And when you do, sin along. Bless those Patriots reigns down in Foxborough.